The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. about cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. My name is Linda House. I'm the Executive Vice President of External Affairs at the Cancer Support Community, and today I am guest hosting for Kim Thibodeau, the President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are provided at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. The Affordable Care Act was passed in March of 2010 and is now being implemented with healthcare exchanges and marketplaces now open and in effect as of October 1st of this year. Today, we will dive more into what the Affordable Care Act means and what it will do and how this, impact, how this will have impact for people affected by cancer. And I do, for the benefit of the listening audience, want to timestamp this particular show in case there are things, and, and things that happen and updates to the Affordable Care Act that, w- that would occur after today's date. So we are now talking in November of 2013. Here to tell us everything we need to know about the Affordable Care Act is Michelle Johnston-Fleece, Director of State Initiatives at the Cancer Support Community's Cancer Policy Institute, and Matthew Farber, Director of Provider Economics and Public Policy at the Association of Community Cancer Center. Michelle oversees the Cancer Policy Institute's state policy and advocacy work in coordination with the Cancer Support Community's local affiliates across the United States. And Matt works with key policymakers to help ensure patients have access to quality cancer care in community cancer programs and physician offices throughout the United States. Michelle and Matt, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Matt, I'm going to start with you. And I'd like for you to give us the 30,000-foot overview of the Affordable Care Act and really what is it intended to do. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for the opportunity to to join you on the show today. Uh, The Affordable Care Act was passed in 2010, really designed to look at two major issues in health care in the United States, the uninsured and the rising cost of health care. Many of the aspects of the law that address the cost issue are not really visible to the public at large and to the cancer community at large, either because they've yet to be implemented or because they're really happening behind the scenes at this point. Um, The much more public aspect of the law uh, up to this point and and will continue to be is the coverage aspect of it. Uh, Basically, at the time uh, of the law being passed, there was roughly 50 million people uninsured uh, in the United States. And the law looked at ways they can help to get those people covered, Uh, be that through private insurance that they can buy through an online marketplace or exchange, as you mentioned, that is now open, or to expand Medicaid um, beyond the traditional uh, roles of folks who are on Medicaid, uh, or developing and adding to high-risk pools for patients who might have um, been uninsured in in the past due to pre-existing conditions or um, just being denied coverage uh, in the past. And so the the law really uh, looked to address those two major issues. Now, obviously, there have been uh, fits and starts of the law, um, and we are just now really getting into some of the meat of it, as many of the aspects um, aren't taking effect until 2014 and beyond. Much of what we've seen so far has really only been a small foray into what the law has to offer. Uh, So there's still a lot that we do not know. 
about the law. There's a lot we'll have to wait and see, uh, such as what costs will be and what coverages may be like for plans offered through exchanges. And I'm sure that we will be learning a lot more um, once January 1st rolls around and we start to see some of these plans take action. Great. Thank you. And, Michelle, in thinking about the Affordable Care Act, can you tell us a little bit about why it is good for people who have a history with cancer or are currently living with cancer? Sure. There are a lot of ways um, that the law really benefits uh, people with cancer or, frankly, for people at risk for cancer. Um, one, one of the, um, the, the law puts into effect a lot of consumer protections. Um, some of the earliest that were implemented, as many people have heard, children are allowed to stay on their parents' insurance through age 26. Um, that gives, you know, this population that often goes uninsured um, the ability to, to have insurance. So if you're a young cancer survivor, obviously having access to that insurance is important. Um, also in 2010, after the law was passed, there was an immediate um, implementation of um, limiting the pre-existing conditions for children um, so that any kids with pre-existing conditions would have access to insurance. Uh, that pre-existing exclusion will go into effect for adults starting in January 2014, and that provision is very important for people with cancer. In the past, insurance companies were allowed to either charge um, people with a pre-existing condition, such as cancer, more money for an insurance policy, or to deny them coverage. Um, so this um, aspect of the law is really important for people with cancer. Um, the law also stops um, a practice called rescission, was, which is the cancellation of insurance. So at times in the past, um, an insurance company, if someone, for example, was diagnosed with cancer um, and had a risk factor that perhaps they didn't disclose when they signed up for their insurance, um, insurance companies were able to say, oh, we didn't know about this um, and actually cancel your policy um, when you needed it most. Um, so with the end of these two um, practices, that will, that will provide a lot of protections for people with cancer or people have a history of cancer. Um, as Matt talked about, the um, creation of the marketplaces and increased access to health insurance is going to have a major impact on people with cancer. Um, just having um, access to more affordable insurance will get more people covered and give them access to the care they need. Um, the law also limits the out-of-pocket expenses um, that any patient um, or family can experience in a year. Uh, those limits are $6,350 a year for an individual or $12,700. $700 for a family. Now, these dollar amounts are still fairly high for the average family, but it is the top limit that you, if you get a um, plan on the exchange, will have to pay out of pocket um, for any cost-sharing um, co-pays or co-insurance. Um, this doesn't count your premium, but it's a limit of how much um, you will have to spend out of pocket. And this was really done to help the problem of people um, going bankrupt. Um, there were a large number of cases. It was estimated about 69% of bankruptcies in the United States were due to a medical, um, to an illness. Um, so this was really an attempt to um, limit those expenses so that that didn't happen to people. Um, there are also um, tax credits that are made available to help subsidize um, coverage on the exchanges. These are based on income. If you make between 100 and 400 percent of the federal poverty level, uh, and the federal poverty level is around $11,000 um, for an individual, um, you will get help um, through the exchanges um, to pay for the premium. Uh, there's also some subsidies available to help pay for those out-of-pocket costs as well. If you make a little less from anywhere from 100 to 250 percent or two and a half times the federal poverty level, you can also get some help with some of the co-pays and other out-of-pocket costs associated with your health care. And finally, one of the, one of the um, other big focuses of the Affordable Care Act is on prevention and public health. Um, so the law guarantees access to a number of free uh, preventive and screening services. So for people who are concerned uh, about cancer, that they have a high risk of cancer or have had cancer in the past, this includes services such as colonoscopies and mammography, cervical cancer screenings. These will now be available um, to patients uh, with no copay. Um, so you would actually get these services completely free. 
Great. That is wonderful information. And I just want to say for the benefit of our listeners that we will break a number of those things down as we go throughout the course of the show. So please please stay with us, and we will um, talk about each of these or most of them in a little bit more detail as, as we move uh, through. So thank you, both Matt and Michelle. That was a great overview of, of the ACA. Matt, I just want to ask you, when we're looking at people who have cancer, who have been touched by cancer, how many people are we talking about? What is the, the typical breakdown? between patients who would be on Medicare versus a private health insurance versus shopping and exchange? And, and is this going to change over time and how? Well, that's a wonderful question, and I think that you know, knowing that information can really help people in, in looking at this entire situation, especially the marketplaces and what the impact may be. Typically, um, and if you look across um, my organization's membership base, which includes hospitals and practices, Typically, it's made up of 50 to 60% of their patients have Medicare. Um, so a majority of the patients, um, at least half, in almost every uh, practice or hospital in cancer will be seeing Medicare patients. The next largest chunk will be those with private insurance through their employers, whether that's a large employer or a small business employer. Um, Probably 20 to 30 percent, roughly, uh, as, as we'll be getting those through the through their employer-sponsored coverage. Uh, the next will come from Medicaid. Uh, those are typically in the single digits, maybe five, maybe as high as 10 percent, depending on where in the country you live. Um, will be Medicaid, and the remainder of those will be folks either uninsured or people who are getting their insurance um, on on their own uh, or the individual marketplace. And it's those last three categories of folks who are really going to be benefited the most by the Affordable Care Act. Uh, People with Medicare uh, aren't going to see much change uh, for the most part. And, again, for the most part, people who get their insurance through their large employers uh, will not see drastic change, at least not initially. We may see some changes down the road, but um, uh, by and large, that will remain stable. Um, The individual marketplace is very much in flux right now, and, of course, those without insurance, they're going to now have opportunities to purchase insurance, whether they couldn't before or they didn't want to before. Um, Now they're going to have to if they want to avoid paying a a, a tax. Many of you have probably heard in the news um, that people with individual plans are having their plans canceled, um, and that has to do with something called the essential health benefits and plans offering a certain subset of coverage that they may not have offered before. And that is why some of them are being covered, because the plans essentially aren't um, up to par uh, with what the law states they have to cover. So that's why some of them are are being denied. In some cases... Um, that is proving to be uh, difficult for the patients because they like their plan or they were able to see their doctor or they're able to go to a certain place. And some of these newer plans uh, they can buy through the marketplaces, that may not be the case or the cost may be higher. In other cases, it's proving good because now they might qualify for subsidies um, through purchasing insurance through the exchange. If, as we mentioned earlier, people up to a certain percentage of the federal poverty level may be eligible to, uh, to get subsidies through the exchanges. So in cancer care, it's very much different than other specialties. Um, you know, the typical physician's office or cancer program in a hospital, um, you know, they're still going to see their majority of, of Medicare patients and patients with uh, coverage to their employer, um, but there will definitely still be some patients who are going to be greatly affected by this new law. Great. Thank you. And we'll cover some more of that again in our next segment. We have just about two minutes before we have to go to a commercial break. And I'm just wondering, with the vast majority of people with cancer being covered by Medicare, will they see broad changes in their coverage or will their coverage largely stay the same? And either of you, I'd be happy for you to answer that. Yeah. Well, as Matt said, that most people with Medicare won't see many changes um, to their coverage. In fact, the only most of the changes they will see will be um, getting more services. Um, the law, as I said earlier, um, now allows um, certain preventive services like mammograms and colonoscopies to cover to be covered without any coinsurance that are deductible, uh, even through Medicare. Uh, Medicare has also added a free annual well, well visit um, and assistance to help quit smoking. So again, as we all know, smoking is a large risk factor for cancer. Um, 
So that is of interest to people. The other big important change to, to Medicare is about the donut hole. Um, the donut hole um, is a phenomenon um, with Medicare Part D, which is the um, part of Medicare that covers prescription drugs. Um, when that when that benefit was designed. Um, Coverage for prescription drugs was covered up to just shy of $3,000, and then after you got to that point, you started paying a higher copayment for drugs in Medicare. Um, the Affordable Care Act tries to close that donut hole, and in fact, it will close it by 2020, um, and so that will have a huge impact for people with cancer and everyone on Medicare, but as you know, if you have a chronic, any chronic disease, particularly cancer, you are usually um, having to take a lot of um, prescription drugs so that um, the law aims to um, help help people with the out-of-pocket costs associated with those um, drugs. Um, some of the other provisions of the law, um, as Matt mentioned earlier in the introduction, that are attempting to lower costs um, in the system, really patients won't see um, the effects of that except that um, those, those provisions really are taking a look at hospitals and the way they provide care and actually trying to create incentives for hospitals to coordinate care better. Um, so patients may actually see um, better coordination of their care, particularly between hospitals and their, um, their physicians, um, outpatient physicians. Great. Thank you. And this is, frankly speaking, about cancer. We need to go to a commercial break. Today's show is brought to you in part by ASI, Genentech, and Amgen. We'll be right back with more after this quick commercial break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you a breakaway from cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community a global network of education and hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, sponsored in part today by Celgene, Lilly Oncology, and Onyx. My name is Linda House, and I'm standing in today for Kim Tibaldo, the President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Today we're talking about the implementation of the Affordable Care Act, and today I am joined by two very special individuals, 
Michelle Johnston-Fleece, who is the Director of State Initiatives at the Cancer Support Communities Cancer Policy Institute, and Matt Farber, Director of Provider Economics and Public Policy at the Association of Community Cancer Centers. Thank you both for joining us for today's show. Thanks. Thank you. Michelle, when, right before we went to the break, you mentioned something in Medicare that I just wanted you to clarify, if you could do it just quickly. Uh, you used the word donut hole. For our listeners, could you just say what the donut hole is and, and how it would impact somebody with cancer? And I believe particularly if they're on an oral therapy. Sure. Yeah, the donut hole is a term we use that really talks about the um, the way prescription drugs are now covered under Part D of Medicare. Uh, so the way the benefit is structured now, um, on Part D, you're covered for up to $2,970 for medications in a year. Um, that amount is um, the amount that both Medicare pays and what you're paying out of pocket. Once you reach that $2,970, and for those for people with cancer or their family members, you know that when you're taking an oral chemotherapy drug or, an, or the you know vast number of other um, prescription drugs you may be taking, it's you can often reach that um, $3,000 level fairly quickly in a year. Um, so the way that benefit is designed, that once you get to that $2,970, your copay for your medicines rises to almost 48% for a brand name prescription drug and 79% for generics, which means you'll be paying out of pocket that 48% or nearly 80% for the cost of the drugs. And you will pay that amount until you pay total out of pocket $4,750. So what this means is that Patients who take a you know a large number of prescription drugs um, or be pay, you know currently have to spend about five thousand dollars out of pocket in a year before then Part D again kicks in um, and starts paying a more a higher level for the drugs. So that's why we call it the donut hole. You have some coverage, then you have this hole in the middle where you're paying a lot more out of pocket, and then you pick up some coverage again. Um, so the Affordable Care Act attempts you know will address this, and by 2020 that donut hole will no longer exist. Um, and you'll pay a 25% copay for all prescriptions, whether you're buying brand name or generic drugs. Great. Thank you. And the other thing I wanted to just mention to our, our listeners is that we will provide them with resources during this show. So if you want to please grab a, a piece of paper and a pencil to write down resources, we're going to provide you with a number of resources that would help you um, define some of these terms and also navigate uh, support services for you if you do have the donut hole issue between now and 2020. So, Matt, I'd like to come to you around a question. So, we've we've mentioned, I mentioned it in the introduction, you've mentioned it in your comments, as has Michelle, but these entities called healthcare marketplaces that opened on October the 1st. Can you talk about exactly what they are and who of our listeners might want to be focused on them? Sure. So, the healthcare marketplace or the health insurance exchange, it's, it's called many things, but let's kind of call them the marketplaces for the purpose of this discussion, um, they were designed to be tools, online marketplaces where any person could go and shop for insurance, much like you shop for travel, let's say on an orbits.com or a kayak.com, Travelocity, any of those travel sites where you can plug in the information you're looking for, a number of, of options will come up and then you can choose the option that best fits for you. That's what the um, marketplaces were designed to be, where folks could put in some basic information about themselves such as uh, their age, uh, size of their family, basic income information, smoking status, and then from that uh, get some different options of what coverages, what different insurance products may be available to them. Um, what has happened is that uh, a part of the law uh, what, that created this basically allowed states to decide whether or not they wanted to run these exchanges on their own. And a majority of states decided not to run them, at least not initially, leaving that to the federal government to run. So you have some states um, like California, Washington, Connecticut, Maryland, who are running their own uh, exchanges. Um, and then you have many, many others who are relying on the federal government to do that, including Texas, um, Virginia, uh, many of the states uh, throughout the South as well are, are doing that. And so what you have are kind of um, many people who are going to be able to go up through healthcare.gov, uh, which is a website um, that, when it is working properly, um, should be able to allow you to shop for plans. And then if you're in a state that's running its own exchange, um, you can go to your own state's website and then shop for uh, insurance options that way. 
Um, I'm sure we'll be giving you more resources on where to find your state exchange websites and how to get to them later in the show. But as far as who should be focused on them, the folks who have individual plans now um, or maybe had their individual plan uh, canceled, uh, the folks who do not have insurance for whatever reason uh, that may be, either they just not, never felt the need to have insurance or perhaps they were denied an insurance due to pre-existing condition, um, or maybe they are 26 years old or 25 years old and getting ready to roll off their parents' plan and may not have insurance lined up through their next job. Um, and then some people who get insurance through a small business and might not have as much um, um, as many options when it comes to purchasing insurance. These are the people who are really going to benefit the most from looking at these uh, these marketplaces, um, be they the federal government run or the state run sites. And there's obviously they've been in the news a lot. Um, there's still a lot we don't know. There's lots of moving deadlines and implications, tax implications, and things like that, which we can get into uh, if we have more time a little bit later. But that's the, the quick overview of the marketplaces. Great. Thank you so much. And, uh, Michelle, just if you could quickly chime in. So, so we talked a little bit about um, who should be shopping the marketplaces. Is it a segment of a, of a particular population? But can you just give us a sense of, for the people that are shopping the marketplaces, what would, especially people with cancer, what should they expect from the plans that they're looking at? Sure. Um, so again, just as we as we talked about before, generally people with cancer, or large, you know, a majority of people with cancer tend to be on Medicare, so their coverage will not be changing. We're really talking about the five percent of Americans who buy insurance on their own in the marketplace are, are people who have been uninsured um, previously. Um, and one thing to point about about the uninsured, some of them may be able, eligible for Medicaid, so they actually can still go to their state marketplace to fill an, out an application. But if they're eligible for Medicaid, then they will be automatically enrolled into Medicaid um, and will not need to purchase a plan on the exchange. For the people who do buy a plan on the exchange, um, just as an overview, there are generally speaking four types of plans, um, and they are what we call metal-level um, plans because they have metal named after metals, um, bronze, silver, gold, and platinum. There are also catastrophic plans available. They are generally for people under age 30 or people with um, a hardship exemption that usually means their income is low, so they can only buy bare minimum coverage. Um, but generally speaking, people will be shopping for um, a metal-level plan. Um, and the the amount of coverage in each plan goes up as you go um, through the metal level. So a bronze plan would tend to have lower monthly premium and higher deductibles and co-pays. Um, as you go up through silver, gold, and platinum, the um, Premiums will get more expensive, but the out-of-pocket cost, um, generally speaking, will be lower. Um, again, as we mentioned before, there will be tax credits that are available to help pay depending on your income. So if you make anywhere from um, 100 to 400 percent, or the, you know, if you make the federal poverty level or four times as much as the federal poverty level, um, you could qualify for subsidies to help you pay for the insurance. Um, and when you take a look at these plans, as Matt mentioned, the essential health benefits. These are um, benefits that the Affordable Care Act laid out as, you know, 10 required categories of services. So for people with cancer, um, this is really important. Um, the 10 categories include doctor visits, hospital care, emergency care, behavioral health services, laboratory services, prescription drugs, as well as preventive services, among others. Obviously, all of these different categories are important to people with cancer as they tend to access, obviously need screenings or um, imaging scans, um, prescription drugs, and all of the, you know, other healthcare services covered within the essential health benefits. Um, again, as we discussed before, there are also pre free preventive services that um, people who purchase plans um, on the exchange will be able to access, um, and that is, again, important for people with cancer. So that's sort of a high-level um, you know, description of what you can expect when you go onto the exchange and take a look at plans. Great. Thank you. And we have about three minutes until break. So, Matt, I want, I want to 
prepare you for something as well as our listeners. We've heard a number of terms around subsidies and premiums and co-pays. So when we return from the break, because I want to make sure that we have enough time to really dive into each of those terms and how they would really uh, impact patients. So I just want to give give you a heads up and give our listeners a heads up to please join us after the break and we'll dig a little deeper into those. But before we go to to break in the two minutes we have left, Matt, could you just say if there are patients in need of health insurance and they're not covered through an employer, but they might have to go to a marketplace and they have not purchased their plan yet, is there immediate action required on their part and what would that be? Well, yes. If you have not purchased insurance yet or if you have been waiting for the websites to be better um, uh, better up and running, um, there are a few things that you do have to do relatively soon um, if you want to avoid paying any potential tax. Um, and there is still some time, um, but basically if you want to have insurance that will kick in on January 1st, um, you initially had until December 15th to sign up for coverage. Now, they have just extended that deadline another week. Um, so you actually now have until about December 23rd to sign up for insurance through the marketplaces if you want your insurance to kick in on January 1st. If you do not want your insurance to kick in before January 1st, but you do want to purchase insurance before you have to incur any tax penalties, you have until the close of open enrollment, which is March 31st, to do so. So you still have some time. If you want to weigh your options, if you're just not sure, you want to wait and see a little bit to see you know, what's going to happen as the first of the year rolls around, um, you do have a few more months to go. But keep in mind that if you do wait, the insurance will not kick in right away. It usually takes about two weeks um, or the turn of the next month for your insurance to then begin. So if you were to sign up for coverage on roughly February 7th, as an example, your insurance would most likely not kick in until March 1st. Um, so just because you start sign, you sign up um, does not mean that your insurance begins right away. So that's something just to keep in mind. So you, there are some deadlines coming up, but there is still some time. Great. So December the 23rd is the deadline to have coverage on January the 1st. That's the, the, the first deadline we should be thoughtful of. Yes. Great, thank you. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Our show is sponsored in part today by McKesson's Giving Comfort Program, Bristol-Myers Squibb, and Morphotech. We'll be right back with more after this short break. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help, but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIA-B, or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices. I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. 
The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. about cancer. I'm Linda House, standing in today for Kim Tepledo, the CEO and President of the Cancer Support Community. Today we're talking about the Affordable Care Act and some of the key, the key considerations for people affected by cancer. I'm joined today by Michelle Johnston-Fleece, who is the Director of State Initiatives at the Cancer Support Community's Cancer Policy Institute, and Matthew Farber, Director of Provider Economics and Public Policy at the Association of Community Cancer Centers. When we left last, we were talking about some of the considerations and timing around shopping the marketplaces. And Matt, I had given you and our listeners a warning that I was going to come back to you to help us understand a few definitions. And we've used a couple of terms that I wanted you to help define a little bit better for our listeners, and those terms would be uh, premiums, co-pays, and subsidies. So if you would sort of take it from here and, and help us understand what those mean a little bit better, that would be much appreciated. Sure. Um, and I'll just say as I get started, there are many resources folks out there online to help you through this. One of them, which I know will get mentioned again on this show, is the Cancer Insurance Checklist. Uh, it's cancerinsurancechecklist.org. There's a great glossary of terms there in case you want to follow up after this to get more information. But basically, for those three terms that you mentioned, premiums are um, the the payment that you uh, pay every month for your insurance, um, depending on which insurance plan you choose, how much coverage you choose, uh, which metal level, as Michelle mentioned earlier, you choose, your premium will go up and down, also based on uh, your age, your smoking status, things like that. And those can range quite a bit. Um, some people might have no um, monthly premiums if they qualify for enough subsidies, and then some monthly premiums can be incredibly high in the hundreds of dollars, if not even uh, over $1,000 potentially uh, in a given month. Subsidies are what you may qualify from the federal government to help you pay your monthly premiums. Again, if you make up to a certain percentage of the federal poverty level, up to 400% of the federal poverty level, you may qualify for federal subsidies that will help you purchase your insurance through these exchanges, through the marketplace. And what will happen is when you apply for coverage, you will input your income information, and if you uh, do qualify, uh, it will tell you, the website will tell you how much you will get in monthly assistance for your premiums. And then what you can do is you can apply that uh, towards the plan of your choice. Um, now, they're giving you money based on, uh, you know, what a silver, typical middle-level silver plan may be, but you can then decide to choose another plan if you desire, but keeping in mind that then your monthly premiums may go up. And lastly, co-pays. Co-pays are the, the fees that you pay um, at the time of service uh, or when getting drugs. Um, those can range anywhere from a set dollar figure per services, let's say 10 or 20 or $30, uh, or it can be a certain percentage um, of the service or of the product. Uh, we know that there are in some states with some plans, some of the drugs that are used in cancer care, uh, some of the chemotherapy regimens the, and the other drugs, um, they're called specialty drugs, which we can get more into as well, and those carry very high co-pays with them, um, 10, 20, 30, even 50 percent potentially, uh, which could mean a very high out-of-pocket uh, outlay for the patients. So that's a quick overview of those uh, of those three terms. And Linda, if I can jump in too, I don't sure. want to miss miss one other um, 
potential um, source of out-of-pocket costs for patients. A lot of insurance um, policies come with a deductible. Um, and what a deductible is, is a certain amount of money that you must pay out-of-pocket before your insurance kicks in. So, for example, if you buy a bronze plan that has a $2,500 deductible, that means you will pay the premium each month. And then once your insurance kicks in, let's say you buy it to begin January 1st and you go to the doctor, um, you will pay for that, you know, physician visit um, and you will pay any medical expenses um, that you incur up to that $2,500 deductible before your insurance policy kicks in. Um, and that's, I think, something that's really important for people to take a look at when they're shopping for plans um, because those deductibles happen right at the beginning of your plan year. So it's important if you buy a plan with a deductible, particularly if it's a high deductible, that you can factor that into your budget. Great. Thank you. And, and I'm, and I'm going to give you a warning and our listeners, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask Matt a quick question, and then I'm going to come back to you, Michelle, with, with, with the question, um, what are things like that that people should be thinking about as they are um, shopping for health insurance? So I'll give you yep. a second to think about that. Sure. And Matt, um, you know, while Michelle's thinking on that, could you speak to some of the additional implications um, of, of the Affordable Care Act for people with, with cancer? You know, things like, are they going to be able to keep their doctors? Are they going to be able to go to the same hospital? those type of things that, that I'm sure people are, are thinking about? It's, it's a wonderful question. And, and, you know, like we said before, if you are on Medicare, um, the doctor that you, will, you were seeing before, the hospital you were going to before, uh, you will still be able to go to those same uh, folks. That will not necessarily change. Um, and, again, this, the, the same is mostly going to hold true for people who get their insurance through a large employer. Uh, where that may very well change is if you are on the insurance marketplace uh, or if you are um, – uh, buying insurance for the first time and you may not have had it or you were just un uninsured previously. Um, and I know this, this, that Michelle will go into greater detail about this when looking at what to cover for, but we know that there are many plans in many states that are being offered through the marketplaces that as, ways, as a way to keep costs down, as a way to keep monthly premium costs down, many providers are being considered out of network. Um, so many hospitals, many physicians, are no longer going to be in the network, and that may mean higher out-of-pocket costs because in many cases, money that is spent out-of-network may not apply to your out-of-pocket maximums that you, that you pay. Um, so it's a very big consideration to look um, if you are getting insurance or if you have insurance through, a, through an exchange to make sure you know who is in network and where is in network as well. Great. Thank you. And, Michelle, I'm going to come to you and, and ask you to go into a few of the other considerations for people who are living with cancer. As they're thinking about their health insurance, what are the things that they should be thinking about or asking themselves? Sure. And Matt's comment is a perfect segue for this because that is one of the critical, um, the network for the plan is one of the critical uh, things to look at when you're shopping for insurance. Again, I'll mention, as Matt mentioned before, the cancer insurance checklist. What I am about to describe, we um, the checklist really runs through um, each of these steps um, to help guide as you're looking for insurance on the marketplaces. So you can go to cancerinsurancechecklist.org um, and you'll get this information that I'm about to go over. Um, so, you know, to just give a little more detail about the, the network for the plan, you really want to think through who are my current providers. Now, that not only is your primary care doctor and your specialist, like your oncologist, but may also be a psychologist um, where you get care. So not just your hospital, but, for example, if you get your um, x-rays or screenings at another facility, you want to check to make sure they're in network as well. Um, if you go to an infusion center for chemotherapy, you want to make sure all of these um, places and providers are in your network. Um, you also want to take a look at the, for, the um, prescription drug formulary if you can. Um, if you're on, for example, an oral chemotherapy drug or just some other drugs, you know, that you may be on that you're paying for prescription, you want to find out if they are covered um, in the plan and what the level of cost sharing is, what that copay is or coinsurance. They also call it coinsurance sometimes, um, you know, as a percentage of the 
cost of the drug you have to pay for. So those are really important considerations. You also want to think about what services you may need. Um, again, not just primary care visits and specialty visits. Um, is the hospital nearest to you that, for example, if you need to go to the emergency room, is that closest hospital covered in the um, plan? Um, is your um, imaging covered that you may need um, if you're someone who has a type of cancer that needs a MRI annually or every six months, will those be covered? Are there limits on the number of those scans you can have? Um, that's an important thing to point out. The law does no longer allows insurance companies to put dollar caps on the amount of healthcare services you can receive. In the past, they were able to put a limit, say, of a million dollars in a lifetime or a year that you could have in um, expenses. But they they can limit the number of visits, for example, for a hospital or the, a number of visits for a rehab, you know, rehabilitation. So you need to take a look at that if you're currently in in rehab, for example. Um, you want to take a take a look at what the benefits are there. Um, and then costs, obviously, are really important as well. Um, take a look at what the premium will cost, but also the deductible co-pays and co-insurance. Um, another thing to mention, especially for people with cancer or any chronic disease, is that the law also um, has created some subsidies to help people with their out-of-pocket costs or cost sharing. Now, these subsidies are available if you make um, 100 to 250% of the federal poverty level. So again, the federal poverty level is around $11,000 for an individual. If you make 11,000 to about, you know, two and a half times that, around $30,000, then you may be eligible for a subsidy to help lower your out-of-pocket expenses. But it's important to note that this subsidy, you can only get the subsidy if you purchase a silver plan. Um, so I want to urge people, if you have cancer, a history of cancer, you may be better off buying a silver plan if your income is in that range uh, because it will lower your costs overall throughout the year. So a bronze plan may look to be cheaper because the premium is lower, but with this assistance, um, the subsidy to help you um, limit your out-of-pocket costs, the silver plan is actually going to be better for you in the long run. So it's really important to, um, again, take a look at the cancer insurance checklist and even bring that. Um, we haven't talked a lot yet about the navigators and other assistants out there, and I know we'll get into it, uh, but it's really important to speak to a navigator and use the tool um, when you're making these decisions. Great. Thank you so much. We have got to go to a commercial break, but again, I want to let our listeners know that we will go in this final segment, we will go in-depth into the questions you should be asking yourself as you make these decisions, as well as the resources that are available to help you through uh, both the learning process and the enrollment process. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. It is sponsored in part today by AstraZeneca, Millennium, the Takeda Oncology Company, and Purdue Pharma. We will be right back after the break. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts, and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the AZI Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, 
I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community a global network of education and hope. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. and I'm the guest host today for Kim Tebaldo, who is the president and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. And we are just wrapping up today's show about the Affordable Care Act and the implication for people with cancer. Today, I am thankful to be joined by Michelle Johnston-Fleece, who is the director of state initiatives at the Cancer Support Community's Cancer Policy Institute, and also by Matthew Farber, who is the director of provider economics and public policy at the Association of Community Cancer Centers. Thank you both for being here. This has been a great conversation. Matt, I wanted to start this segment with you, and I was wondering, um, because this is such a complex issue, I was wondering if you could go into some of the resources available for, for people to help them through this. Absolutely, and there are quite a few resources, no matter where you live, uh, that you can access either online or in your local area. So let's start um, broadly nationally. Healthcare.gov is a good resource. Um, it will help you to sign up for insurance or to find local help in your areas, giving you phone numbers, um, getting in touch with navigators or folks in your area who have been trained to help you through the application process. Um, so those folks, and there are, there are navigators in every state, um, and they can help you through the process. They may be very busy, um, but they can answer a lot of your questions. Uh, in addition, um, Cancer Insurance Checklist is, again, a wonderful resource. It can help you basically take a look at all the pertinent things you need to know, such as, is my doctor covered? Is my hospital in network? How much will my, will my uh, copay be for my cancer drugs or for this drug or that drug? Um, or will all of my diagnostic tests be covered? And you can compare plans side by side with that information so you can really truly understand what your coverage is going to look like and what your out-of-pocket costs are going to look like before you ever have to buy any insurance. So I very much encourage you to take a look at that resource as well. And then from there, from that resource, there is a tab at the very top that says Resources. If you click on that, there are phone numbers and websites that can then further direct you to many other resources to help you through this process. If you just want more information about the law in general, there are some wonderful um, websites to take a look at. The Kaiser Family Foundation has a wonderful site. Um, they can help calculate your subsidy, whether or not you qualify for one. Many organizations uh, have some wonderful resources. Um, if you do have cancer uh, or a patient who has had cancer, uh, many of the advocacy organizations um, for your cancer specifically have resources available to you. So as an example, uh, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society or, or um, American Cancer Society have resources available to you to help you. And then finally, many hospitals, many local hospitals um, have begun employing um, assisters to help folks through the process as well. So if you'd like to find someone in your local area, you may be able to find someone at your local hospital who can help you through that process. Great. Thank you. And, and Michelle, if, if, I, if I heard 
you and Matt correctly and sort of, you know, bring those two comments together, those two sets of comments together, it's incredibly important for people to sort of think about their personal situation, the decisions they have to make in terms of these different metal plans and um, and make a decision around that. So maybe you could just take a few minutes and, and just reinforce what are those key data points that, that, that people need to get about themselves before they can make a good decision. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, choosing an insurance plan can be a little bit complicated, particularly when you have um, a disease, you know a disease like cancer, a risk for cancer. Um, but it is really manageable. Um, you you know, using the cancer insurance checklist again, it's a really helpful guide to help you walk it through. You know, again, one of the key considerations is again in your personal situation is to really think about how much money you make in a year. Um, obviously, the amount of money you have for you know paying your premium and out of pocket costs is obviously depends on your income, as does the amount of assistance you may get. All of the, you know, subsidies and, um, you know, also known as tax credits that we've talked about that will help you pay for your premium and could also potentially help you um, with your out-of-pocket costs are based on your income um, or how much money you make in a year. Um, so if you make anywhere between 11000 and around $40,000 a year as an individual, um, you, there's going to be help for you, um, and it's really important to, again, have that conversation um, with a navigator or when you go on to healthcare.gov or to your state's exchange, you know, exchange or marketplace that you're entering in the accurate, um, as accurate as you can be about your uh, how much you make in a year to help um, base those decisions. And then once you think through that, again, you really want to take a look at your personal situation in terms of the, the you know, the providers you see in the locations, much, you know, a lot of the details that Matt just walked us through. Great. Thank you so much. We have just about four minutes until the close of the show, and so I'd like for each of you to respond to the question of uh, what would be the one thing that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Matt, I'm going to start with you. Well, uh, thank you very much, and uh, I think the one thing that I want to leave everyone with today is that while the Affordable Care Act is a very large and complex law that is going to impact many people, um, I don't want people to get um, daunted or, or confused or overwhelmed by it. There are many resources out there to help you th through any decisions you may have to make, if you even have to make them. As we have mentioned before, many cancer patients already have insurance through Medicare or possibly have it through a private employer. Uh, but if you don't fall into that category and you are going to be purchasing insurance, uh, whether it's through an exchange or you may suddenly become eligible for Medicaid um, or you just have more options that you didn't have before, know that there is help for you out there. Uh, many organizations are really um, getting very much involved on the ground and helping folks out to purchase the right kind of insurance for them um, and make sure that you get as educated as possible before making those decisions um, because while they're not permanent by any means, um, the choice you make will be your insurance for a year. Uh, so you have to make sure that it is what's best for you and what's best for your coverage uh, and your care. Thank you. Michelle? Yep, I really want to echo what Matt said. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of political wrangling and um, not great news with the rollout of um, healthcare.gov, but, you know, this will pass, and really the Affordable Care Act really affords a lot of help to people with cancer and people with a history of cancer. Um, people have more access to care they need. They'll have some assistance um, in paying for that care and additional protections that they've, you know, never had before. So I really want to urge um, urge our listeners to, you know, if you are using the marketplace, to be patient, to continue to try, and to reach out for help. You know, as Matt said, there is a lot of assistance out there, a lot of Cancer and advocacy organizations are providing information and referral to resources. Navigator organizations are providing assistance in your community, as well as community health centers and hospitals, as Matt mentioned. Um, you know, I just, it's really important if you have cancer to have the protection of health insurance. Um, so that I really urge people to um, hang in there, don't get overwhelmed, and to, um, you know, keep going, you know, keep trying um, and get enrolled as soon as possible.
Great. Thank you. Matt Farber and Michelle Johnston-Fleece, thank you so much for being on our show today and for helping us better understand the ins and outs of the Affordable Care Act and how it impacts those living with or at risk for cancer. Thank you all for joining us today for Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Again, my name is Linda House. I'm standing in for Kim Thibodeau, the President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Cancer Support Community provides a multitude of in-person, online, and telephonic support. If you or someone you know is faced with a cancer diagnosis, you do not have to do it alone. For more information about our programs, please visit us at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. And I also wanted to, just as a special reminder, if, if you are a person touched by cancer or at risk for cancer, as you've heard in today's show, please visit www.cancerinsurancechecklist.org for a wealth of tools to help you as you're facing not only the health exchange decision, but also any health insurance decisions. There are great questions there and great resources there that could be of great support to you. So again, it's www.cancerinsurancechecklist.org. And as always, our helpline is available to support you. That number is 888-793-9355. And until the next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org.